Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode we're going to be continuing my preview series. Today we're going to be covering the entirety of the NFC South. It is one of the weaker divisions in football but I still think there are some really intriguing storylines. It's also the only division in football that doesn't have a single starter coming back from last year at the quarterback position all new. Literally 100% entirely new. Obviously Desmond Ritter, you know, started at the end of the year for the Atlanta Falcons and he is going to be the day one starter but the day one started last year for them we can't forget about this was Marcus Mariota the Saints obviously were jumping between a lot of guys Andy Dalton got most of their snaps there at one point now he's actually on the Panthers and then of course Panthers have a brand new quarterback in Bryce Young same goes for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield so again a lot of turnover in this division. I think there's a lot of unknown. It's being talked about as one of the worst divisions in football, possibly for good reason, but that could also possibly mean that people are overlooking it and there could be some really fun storylines and competition to come out of it. Either way, I'm here to break it all down for you guys. As always, if you've been following me throughout this series, you already know timestamps will be located down below in the description. If you just want to jump ahead to your favorite team or just a team that you're you know, looking to learn more about, feel free to go ahead and go down there and jump straight to that. And with all that being said, before I get into this video, I do want to mention this podcast is now live on Apple Podcasts. So if you're an Apple Music user, I almost said Apple Music loser, it, you are kind of a loser if you use Apple Music, but that's all right. I'm a Spotify guy myself. Um, it is on Apple Podcasts now, so everyone should have access to this now. Hopefully, you know, that'll bring a little bit more viewerships in. I don't know what, what it's going to end up resulting in, but either way, share this with your friends and family. They should be able to access it on pretty much all platforms where they listen to their podcasts. It's also on Amazon Music if, you know, you for some reason use that. But with all that being said, let's get into the Carolina Panthers. So I mentioned it in the intro, and I think we really have to start right with Bryce Young for the Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young was acquired in the draft for the Carolina Panthers. They obviously traded up to the number one overall pick with the Chicago Bears, and what they gave up to go get him was the pick swap, so the Bears dropped down from one to nine. They also gave up an additional first round pick in this next upcoming draft in 2024. They also gave up two second rounders, one being in the previous draft, 2023, I believe that pick ended up being Tyreek Stevenson, and then a second in 2025, so not this next year, but the year after that. And of course, wide receiver DJ Moore also came over in the trade. Yes, this is a lot to give up for a quarterback and for any player in general, but again, it's the most posi important position in all of football. Carolina has had plenty of quarterback woes ever since Cam Newton kind of became a shell of himself and wasn't in his MVP form anymore. They've been looking for an answer at quarterback ever since. <coughs> excuse me. Whoa. <coughs> wow, excuse me. <coughs> but if it does work and Bryce Young hits and the pick ends up working out for the Carolina Panthers, it's all worth it. It doesn't really matter how much the cost is if he ends up being their guy and you know he can prove that he is the franchise quarterback. Um, I think it's entirely worth what they gave up. Obviously very expensive and you would have preferred that they would have kept DJ Moore in the building, especially considering who he's going to be throwing to now. is a lot of either washed up guys or pretty much unproven guys and I don't really think that's a hot take to say that. I just think if you just look at their their weapons on their depth chart that's just i feel like most people would agree with that statement but again it's not like they're expecting to win right 
right, right away with him anyways. And the fact that they're getting their franchise quarterback, if he is their franchise quarterback, I think it's all worth what they gave up for. Um, but as of now, again, this team is really not expected to win a whole lot of games. Their roster around Bryce, especially, again, I mentioned it earlier, his weapons are probably up there with the absolute worst in the league. And I don't mean that out of disrespect to any of their guys. It's just you can't really sit here and say that they're they're proven and that they should be, you know, dramatically improved this year, especially, you know, losing DJ Moore is a really big deal. Um, they did add Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, but you haven't really seen too much out of those receivers in quite some time. Obviously, Adam Thielen, you expect him to be past his prime now on the wrong side of 30. I believe he's 32 years old, maybe even 33 by the time the season rolls around. Um, and then DJ Chark, a guy who, you know, has had some promising moments in the league, has even had a you know, a promising season there for Jacksonville, but never really been the same guy for a few years now, so you don't really expect too much of him. Miles Sanders was probably their biggest free agent signing outside of maybe Vaughn Bell, but Miles Sanders, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's a bad running back by any chance, or by any means, and a lot of his yards did come after contact in Philadelphia, which really surprised me. He had a career year last year for Philadelphia. He had over 1,400 yards, um, I believe, from scrimmage, not in total, and over 800 of those yards did come after contact. When I saw that stat, that was pretty surprising to me because I think I slept on him a little bit purely because the Eagles' offensive line is so good and with Jalen Hurts running the RPO game, that really does take a lot of stress off a running back and makes his life a lot easier. So I still think there is an element of that and I don't think Miles Sanders will be the same guy that we saw from him in Philly, but I really don't think that's anyone's really expecting him to be that. Um, it is interesting that one of their biggest you know, spending the guys they've spent most on, I guess I should say, was Miles Sanders. You know, choosing to pay a running back is definitely an interesting call, but you can't really hate him for it. And again, he is a good player. Don't know how, you know, efficient his numbers are going to be, especially if their offensive line looks as rough as it did in the preseason, because I think a lot of people, analysts and fans included, expected that this offensive line would could be an above average unit and probably would be above average in the preseason when the starters have been playing. We really haven't seen that. There are some good names along this offensive line. Guys like Ikem Aquanu, you really hope, can take the next step because he's a guy I loved coming out of college. I really thought that he'd be better, you know, slid in at guard just because he's such a mauler in the run game and kind of undefined as a, a pass blocker. We saw that time, you know, a few times in his rookie year there. But overall, like just name value-wise, there are some names that you really like along this offensive line. Obviously, if Icky can take the next step forward, that's a guy that you like at left tackle. Taylor Moton, although he did have a down year last year, a couple years ago, he was looking like one of the better right tackles in the league. Chandler Savala is a guy at right guard that they absolutely stole in the draft, in my opinion. And then Bradley Bozeman and Brady Christensen. Again, not the biggest names, but guys that you know, you've heard about in the league. And if you are a football fan, you know that these guys can be above average. But again, when we have the limited time that we have seen them in preseason, and again, take all this with a grain of salt because it is the preseason, they have not looked very good. So you obviously hope for improvements there. Um, and it's also worth mentioning before I get into what they did in free agency besides, you know, I just mentioned Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and Miles Sanders as offensive guys. It's also worth mentioning that Brian Burns has still not gotten his deal done. And now with Nick Bosa getting his contracts, you know, who knows how those negotiations are going right now. Um, obviously, every player wants to get paid the most they possibly can get paid, but Nick Bosa's contract is going to make pretty much everyone's contracts that's seeking one a lot more interesting. It's going to increase Justin Jefferson's value. It's going to increase Jamar Chase's value, and it's going to increase Brian Burns' value. You know, whether or not the Panthers 
think that he's worth, you know, 34, 35 million dollars a year. I don't think he's worth that. Not that it that's not a knock on Brian Burns. Brian Burns is a great player. It's more so telling just how valuable Nick Bosa is and the position that they were put in because obviously they're not paying their quarterback yet. Um, and it's not even that they're not playing their quarterback. Brock Purdy's literally getting like the very, very minimum you can get paid as a rookie because he was literally the last pick in the draft. Bryce Young was the first overall pick, so he's getting paid significantly more than that. And again, Brian Burns is not worth $34 million. So I don't, I'm not saying that he's asking for that. Obviously, I'm not in the room, but I'm, I am saying that without a doubt in my mind, that contract that Nick Bosa just signed is affecting the talks between Brian Burns and the Carolina Panthers. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't expect him to be suited up and playing by week one because that's literally in two days here. I don't know when this episode is going to be out. I'm assuming it's probably going to be out the Saturday before the season starts. Um, so in that case, we already might know if the, if the deal is done. But as of Friday, no, or I almost said November for some reason. As of Friday, September... Wait, what day is it? Yeah, it's Friday. Friday, <laughs> Friday, uh, September 8th. He has not signed a contract yet, so I don't expect him to be on the field for at least week one. Um, some other additions they made in free agency, getting Andy Dalton. Good backup quarterback, good mentor for Bryce Young. Makes a lot of sense. Didn't have to pay him too much. Hayden Hurst, who really hasn't worked out anywhere he's gone, but a fun tight end and a fun project. You know, he really productive out of college. And then Shai Tuttle, who this signing was a little bit strange to me because I heard rumors that Derek Brown was going to be moving inside to nose tackle. He was no longer going to be an end. But when you look at the depth chart and you look about how much they gave Shai Tuttle, it really does seem like he's going to be the guy at nose and Derek's going to stay on the end position. So maybe it's just like a versatility move and they're going to do both with both of these guys and they'll find ways to use them creatively, in which case I would understand that. But it's also just kind of interesting and kind of something to keep your eye on if you are a Panthers fan to see how they use these two guys and if they do take the field at the same time. Um, and then some guys that they lost, they cut Matt Corral. Not really a surprise at all, especially considering they drafted Bryce Young. I don't think Matt was ever going to see the field anyways. And then Matt Ioannidis was also, uh, he wasn't let go, but he is a free agent that they chose not to resign. And then Deontay Foreman, who was really, really good for them um, in the latter half of the year once Christian McCaffrey was gone. So I was kind of surprised that they didn't just resign him and not choose to go the Miles Sanders route. But hey, they chose to give Miles Sanders a big payday, and he's going to be there for f at least four years. Um, obviously, you never know how these contracts work. They can always, you know, renegotiate or cut him early, or you never really know. But I'm surprised they didn't go with Deontay Foreman, who probably, I mean, definitely would have been a cheaper option and might have been just as effective along the ground. Either way, not too big of a deal there. Um, but I will say, I really did like this team's draft. Wow, I'm talking for so long. I said this episode was going to be shorter. Mingo at 37 makes a lot of sense. Jonathan Mingo, even if there were some receivers that I had higher um, throughout the draft process, process, I totally understand the argument for him. He's got a ton of physical traits, and you could argue that he's one of those players that's only going to get better once he gets to the NFL. It's pretty rare that you see that, but it is almost translatable when you see guys in college that just either were in bad situations or in situations that didn't really you know, fit their skill sets. Jonathan Mingo dealt with some injuries, had some bad quarterback play there at Ole Miss, but um, when he was healthy, when he was good to go, he was looking like a very dominant physical wide receiver. That's got a little bit of A.J. Brown in his game where he can get yards after the catch and kind of becomes a running back once the ball is in his hand. Um, DJ Johnson was the one pick that I kind of didn't really understand. An older prospect, about to be 25 years old, but he really impressed at the combine. 
And, you know, with guys like U2 Gross Matos and some of those other guys playing opposite of Brian Burns not working out, I get why they took a chance on him. It's just a little bit confusing because it feels like it feels like a position that they've continuously been trying to correct and hasn't really worked out. And reaching for a guy who is about to turn 25 years old doesn't make the most sense to me, but hey, I could be wrong. And it's not like I absolutely hate the pick. It's not like it's one of those Jake Moody kickers in the third round head scratcher picks, but I was a little bit confused by the selection at the time. Chandler Savala in the fourth round was an absolute steal. He's going to be a day one starter and I might even be a pretty good one at that. I can't believe he fell this far. Um, really didn't make a lot of sense there. I don't know if there's something I don't know, but Chandler Savala, really, really good steal for the Carolina Panthers there. And then Jamie Robinson, a safety out of Florida State. Um, again, that's another one that's kind of confusing, but it's not, by any, it's not a bad thing to have a lot of depth in the back seven. Um, but it just does kind of leave me wondering, like, what is Jeremy Chin's role going to be in this defense? I mentioned this earlier with Derek Brown, but Jeremy Chin, if you look at their depth chart right now, is listed as a cornerback. I don't think he's going to be playing that. I could see him more as like a nickel. And so maybe that's what they're going to end up doing with him because he is really good at defending in the run and can play in the box really well, as well as cover. He's a guy who's very versatile and can do a lot. So maybe that's what they're planning on doing with him. But again, the selection of Jamie Robinson just makes that a little bit more confusing. And then obviously signing Von Bell because Jeremy Chin, a little bit more of that box safety plays that robber role, you know, plays that strong safety role when he is playing safety. So I expect him to be the starter at nickel when they are in, uh, you know, nickel personnel. But it just kind of limits your options of what you can do with him. Maybe you can make the opposite argument and say that, like, oh, well, adding Jamie Robinson just makes, you know, the safety room stronger. And then you can do whatever you want with Jeremy Chin. And he's basically going to be like a joker on defense and line up in a whole bunch of different spots. There's definitely an argument to be made there. But it is a little bit confusing. And it is, I wouldn't even say confusing. It's just more so, like, it leaves me wondering what his role is going to be on this defense. And only time will tell because, again... Everything changes year to year, so we'll find out soon here. Overall, this team is at the benefit of being in a very weak division and may even get slept on a bit because they're in such a weak division. And It sounds like a lot of people are just counting them out, maybe even including myself. And I do like some of their pieces on defense. Again, if their offensive line can get it together, um, they could at least have a decent rushing attack, but I really don't like the perimeter weapons at all. Um, I like some of their young pieces. Again, I mentioned... Excuse me. Um, Jonathan Mingo, who I do like. LaVisca and Terrence Marshall, we really haven't seen much from of anything in the league so far, so I'm really not going to you know, expect too much from those guys. Um, but that's really just what I expect them to emphasize next offseason. I really expect them to emphasize offensive weapons. But that's going to be the biggest you know, factor that's holding them back. And obviously Bryce Young, you never really expect a rookie quarterback to come in and just translate immediately to the next level it's pretty rare that we see that obviously we do see it from time to time but i don't expect that to be the case here i think he will have some you know early hiccups in his career i guess and my record prediction for them i have him going five and twelve i feel like that's pretty realistic i don't think that's really too brutal um let me know what you guys think about that their over under for this year is set at seven and a half that's a very easy under for me in my opinion i don't see how they'd get to eight wins unless they really do surprise some people or their defense is just much better than people think i don't see a way they end up winning eight games i guess it's set so high again because their division is so weak but i'm not going to take that it is worth mentioning last year they did go seven and ten but i'm rambling i said that this episode is going to be shorter and now i'm already on pace for an hour so let's get past the carolina panthers and let's move on to the tampa bay buccaneers
Okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a team very similar to the Los Angeles Rams that seemingly sold their soul uh, for the run they had with Tom Brady and may go back to the basement of the league because of it. I mean, we'll see. It's very clear what this team's identity was, especially how they address their draft. They want to be able to stop the run. They want to be able to the rush the pass rush or rush the quarterback. What am I saying? Um, just with the selections they made there, I actually did like their draft for the most part. I like that they stockpiled picks and had a lot to work with. Um, so I guess we can just start right there and then we'll get into free agency. Their first pick was a really, really fun one. Kalijah Cansey going over there, I think is just a really fun idea him working next to Vita Vea Vita Vea obviously huge nose tackle Kalijah Kansi working next to him that's going to force a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups with Kalijah and you do not want that this dude is extremely explosive was very very good at his time at Pittsburgh and he was very good at multiple things but really why he impresses is his get off for someone this big that's why he got the Aaron Donald comparisons obviously going to Pittsburgh um but not only that, how he tested as well. He's 290 pounds, just a little bit over six feet, but had a 4.6740 with an incredible 10-yard split. His first step and his explosiveness are nothing short of incredible. It makes him extremely hard to block, and he was very dominant in his time at Pittsburgh because of those traits. That's easily a skill set that could translate to the NFL, and especially, again, working next to Vita Vea, it really feels like a per perfect match made in heaven. Tampa Bay is a team that has, you know, dipped into the defensive line m many years in a row here, it feels like because they just this is their identity this is what they want to do well they want to be able to stop to the run they want waves of d linemen they want to be able to keep them fresh they want you know a rotation of guys being able to come in that can effectively get to the quarterback and then of course stop the run along the way um so they stuck with this in the third round by taking yaya diaby out of louisville they also got jose ramirez out of eastern michigan in the sixth round that was a great value pick in my opinion and then in the second round i really like this pick some people were talking about it being too high but i think it was basically the perfect place to take someone like a cody mock he's listed as a tackle but he will likely start day one at guard coming out of north dakota state he has been fantastic he actually came in as a tight end prospect and put on I believe 100 pounds. I could be exaggerated about that one, but I think he put on 100 pounds, went through a complete body transformation, and is just a nasty, nasty run blocker, pass blocker, everything. He only allowed one sack um, all of last year. This is a dude that I'm really, really high on. I love him just his personality wise like he just seems like a great human being, and I would love to have him on my football team. And a guy that has incredible position versatility you can put him anywhere from center to tackle he was taking snaps at center in the senior bowl he was playing snaps at tackle in college he was playing snaps at, at guard this good dude can do it all for you he just seems like a guy who has a great mentality and will do anything it takes for the team to win a prospect i really really do like if you haven't heard of him yet look up cody mock he's got a great story um free agency though Obviously, the biggest name, which I haven't even mentioned yet. I mentioned in the intro a little bit. Baker Mayfield coming in. Of course, what Baker Mayfield are we going to get? Is he toast? Is he going to be back to second year, sophomore year? Um, Cleveland Browns, Baker? Or I guess, no, I think that was his down year. I think it was third year is good. Rookie year was good. Second year was bad, I believe. Either way, what Baker Mayfield is going to show up here? Um, can his offensive line keep him upright? Because there is a lot of turnover over the last couple years at offensive line and that unit is really not one that 
Honestly, it just does not look very good, in my opinion. I like Cody Mock. I like Tristan Wirfs, who's moving over to le- from left tackle to right with the departure of Donovan Smith. But with Ryan Jensen at center going to IR, possibly missing, I think, the entirety of the year. I could be wrong about that. They signed Matt Filer to address a, a position of need at left guard. But, again, just not a lot of experience along that, that offensive line. Not a lot to write home about, except for Tristan Wirfs. That does make me very nervous, um, especially with you know what the teams in the division are very good at we mentioned it with the carolina panthers their strength should be their defense um as well as the panthers i mean sorry not the panthers the falcons defensive line you expect to be better with some of the moves they've made and then the saints it's constantly their identity that their defensive line is one of the strengths of the team i don't expect that to be exactly the same this year but we'll get to that once i get to that either way i do worry about this tampa bay bucks offensive line it is worth mentioning as an undrafted free agent they did get sean tucker out of syracuse i don't know why this guy went undrafted i really don't i think he was like my fourth ranked running back i thought he was fantastic i loved almost everything about this game his ability to just hit a hole and break away with his track speed was very clear and i really liked that selection there by tampa bay um either way I do expect this defense to be a little bit better than it was last year because last year they really did severely underwhelm. They dealt with a ton of injuries and they did keep some of their guys, um, such as Levante David and Jamel Deem. Was really surprised that they were able to keep both of those. I'm not as surprised about Levante because he's just been there his whole career. Older guy, probably wants to retire as a Buccaneer. Um, Jamel Dean was a guy that I was surprised that ended up staying there. They didn't actually end up paying him too much either. I thought another team was going to come in and swoop him, give him a bigger contract. That's not what ended up happening. Greg Gaines comes in to back up Vita Vea. That's a great fit there as well. And then I mentioned Matt Filer, Ryan Neal coming in at safety, and then lastly, Chase Edmonds coming in at running back. Some of the guys they lost in free agency include Julio Jones, Sean Murphy Bunting, again, not surprised they weren't able to keep Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting. Frankly, I thought they were going to lose both. I'm impressed that they kept at least Jamel. They lost to Keem Hicks, who wasn't really the Keem Hicks that Chicago fans tend to know and love. Lost Mike Edwards at safety, who was a really good player for them. Honestly, pretty pretty underrated in my opinion. And then Carl Nassib did retire from football. Congratulations to Carl. Good for him. Um, but of course, we know what this team's identity is. I mentioned it earlier. They want to stop the run. They want to get to the quarterback along the way. Their defensive line is the strength of this team. The problem is the offense. It's not just that quarterback. And we know how good their skill positions can be with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin still being there. I like some of their running backs as well, like I just mentioned. But their O-line just has too much turnover. I really don't trust it. Last year, this team was 8-9. and nine. Their over-under is set at 6.5. I could not believe that their over-under was lower than the Carolina Panthers but at the same time I guess it does make some sense because I do have the Carolina Panthers you know finishing as 5 and 12 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I have them going 4 and 13 so I do have them getting last in the NFC South I don't think that's a surprise to really anybody maybe you guys might be shocked I don't have the Panthers finishing below them but either way it's it's just one game difference it doesn't make too much of a difference to me and I have the Buccaneers going 4 and 13 let's move on to the New Orleans Saints so the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints, their biggest move this offseason was obviously signing Derek Carr. They signed him to a four-year, $150 million deal. That turns out to $37.5 million per year. There's also a no-trade clause in that contract that is very much worth mentioning, so they can't just dump him and get rid of him whenever they want. It does have to be, you know, unless they end up releasing him, which would be an absolute disaster. 
he is going to be on the New Orleans Saints for at least the next four years. He is their foreseeable guy of the future. This is a team that is literally always against the cap. They are always finding ways to just make it clear. They always seem to be in the red, always seem to be in the negative, and pushing that debt into the next year. So because of it, they did lose a few of their guys, so on so. The first of which I mentioned earlier, Shy Tuttle, did go to the Carolina Panthers. He's been, I don't want to say a staple on this defensive line, but he's been very, very good for them for a few years now. They also lost Marcus Davenport, who again, not a staple. I wouldn't say that wouldn't go that far. But when he was on the field and playing, because he has missed a lot of time due to injuries, he was extremely effective at getting to the quarterback. David Onyemata, another guy that, just a great depth piece along the defensive line. One of the reasons why they've been so good. It's one of those things where it's like they're not individually great, but together they are. And now that all these guys are gone, I don't think that the Saints are going to have a very good defensive line. It's no surprise at all that they targeted that position in the draft because, again, that has been a staple of this team and of their draft strategy in, in totality. They tend to go after D. Lyman early on in the draft. They also lost Caden Ellis, who was playing pretty well for them at the linebacker spot. Again, another place, another position that the Saints tend to be pretty weak at. Um, this is a team that their identity has been stopping the run and also, you know, been effective at getting to the to quarterback. Uh, this year, I think they're going to take a serious step back in that regard. Obviously, we expect their offense to be dramatically improved than it was last year because they had just an array of quarterbacks coming in. They couldn't get any consistency and did deal with a few injuries in their receiver room. Um, Michael Thomas, obviously, being the biggest name there, but Jarvis Landry dealt with a good amount of injuries himself. Both of those guys coming back, both of them have been re-signed. Um, so we do expect their offense to be better, but I don't really expect their defense to be nearly as good as it's been in the years past. I still like their secondary. I like Alante Taylor. I like Paulson Adebo. I like them adding Tyron Matthew, and we know how good their star cornerback is in Marshawn Lattimore. But their front seven, there's really not a whole lot to write home about, and you kind of expect Cameron Jordan and Demario Davis to start falling off. Those are two guys that... They've been incredible throughout their long NFL careers, but that's the point. They have been very long careers, and at a certain point, you kind of expect the production to start dipping. Um, you kind of saw that a little bit last year with Cam Jordan. Don't get me wrong, he was still incredible, but not quite as incredible as he normally is. So I think you know, one of the strengths of the team will no longer be a strength this next year, and I really do think that's going to affect them in many ways, especially when facing teams like the Falcons um, that are very, very good along the offensive line. I think they can give the Saints quite a few problems, but again, let's get to the draft because they did address many positions of need there. Their first two picks were immediate positions of need. They took Brian Brissy, who is a five-star recruit coming out of high school. I think he was the number one defensive line recruit in all of high school coming out. Ended up going to Clemson and honestly had a very up and down career there. Uh, his biggest problem on tape was just consistency, but he flashed moments of absolute brilliance there in the interior of the defensive line. Also has some versatility, can play, you know, over or outside of a tackle, and then can also, you know, slide in as a three tech playing over or inside of a guard. Um, he can do both for a team and at 300 pounds, that's a great asset to have. Um, he's a guy that's just an incredible athlete for his size and it makes total sense why the Saints chose to go in that direction. They also drafted Isaiah Foskey. Again, makes total sense. Losing Marcus Davenport, losing guys like Shai Tuttle and David Onyemata. It makes sense why they would target a guy like this. Um, Isaiah Foskey, maybe a little bit high from him. I probably wasn't quite as high on him as some other guys. Um, but I totally understand the pick. Again, addresses the position he need. Was very effective at his time at Notre Dame. 
doesn't do anything particularly well but just a very well-rounded pass rusher with pretty good bend not amazing speed to power not amazing power anything like that but just a good pass rusher who seems very disciplined and um very what's the word i'm looking for yeah i guess discipline would be the way uh like to phrase it the kendra miller pick felt a little bit forced i felt like a panic pick with alvin Kamara, you know being suspended the first three games of the year i don't think kendra miller was bad by any means at tcu he was very effective in terms of yards per carry but i think a lot of that has to be credited to that interior of the tcu o-line being very very incredible that year and then of course max duggan can do some things with his legs which would open up a lot of lanes for kendra miller as well but i do understand it in a certain aspect it just felt a little bit high for me they also drafted uh nick saldiver saldiver i don't really know how you pronounce his name but he's a tackle out of old dominion don't know too much about him jake hayner out of fresno state at quarterback he played excellent in the preseason um jordan howden and then at perry which is really the steal of the draft for me i don't know why he slipped to the sixth round i know he didn't test very well at the combine but his tape doesn't lie and he seems like a very cerebral player that knows exactly where he has to be on the field seems like a guy who's very quarterback friendly can track the ball down the field very well so a great route runner as well third and perry is what they called him there over at wake forest because he was just mr consistent on third downs kind of reminds me of keenan allen a little bit where not great top end speed but a great route runner and uses his body very well to get open very good at manipulating defenders into you know forcing their hand and making them be on their heels and basically respect him at all times so and again he's six five so you can catch it over your dome too um very surprised he ended up going in the sixth round there i was a lot higher on him than some but overall i think we can confidently expect this offense to be better i do worry about this defense like i mentioned earlier they have some star power like i mentioned as well you know cam jordan tyron matthew marshall Lattimore, um demario davis there's some good star power there but beyond that there's not a whole lot of depth i also do worry about their offensive line depth as a whole because their starting lineup for the offensive line is pretty much the exact same as it's been the last couple years, and they have been a pretty good offensive line to, you know, a top eight offensive line, so I would say elite at times, but if they do have an injury or two, it could be an entirely different story. Their depth along that offensive line is not very good at all, and I do think they're going to run into Falcons, uh, excuse me, they're going to run into issues with the Falcons, um, mostly because of that defensive line. I don't think they're going to be able to handle the rushing attack of the, the Falcons, so it might surprise some people to say I actually don't have the Saints winning the division. I actually have the Falcons winning the division. I have the Saints going 9-8. and eight. Their over-under win total this year is set at 9.5. I feel like that's about right. I could see them winning 10. But that's the thing. I really think their ceiling is just like 10 wins. I don't think it's 11. I've seen all these bold predictions that the Saints might, you know, win the NFC. Or don't be surprised if they're the one seed halfway through the season. I don't think any of that's going to happen. Um, I really do think it's going to be a very close race with the Atlanta Falcons. But I'll get to that in a second. Also worth mentioning that last year this team did go 7-10, and 10, so have them slightly improving from the year before, but it's not going to be quite enough for them to make the playoffs and for them to win the division against the Atlanta Falcons. So let's get to the Atlanta Falcons, my number one team in the NFC South. Can't believe I'm saying that. So the Falcons. Let's start with free agency because they actually did spend a pretty damn good amount of money, but I think it was worth it for the players they brought in. The biggest name they brought in has to be Jesse Bates at safety. Great fit in this defense. It addresses a position of need, and he is one of the premier safeties in the entire league. Makes total sense why they would give him the bag that they did. He signed a four-year, $64 million deal, which, in my opinion, is totally worth it for a player of his caliber. Again, he is an all-pro, Pro Bowl level 
free safety uh, makes their defense immediately better on the back end, makes it a lot harder to throw deep against them because that's really what he's good at. He's more of a deep, rangy safety that can make plays on the ball. Love that pick from there. Don't get, don't get it confused, though. He can come up and defend the run very well. Was a very good run defender last year for the Cincinnati Bengals. They also re-signed their guy Caleb McGarry at right tackle. Not the best as a pass blocker, but very, very good run blocker. Knows the system very well. And absolutely understand why they'd bring him back on the contract that he did it's hard to address a position like that and especially a guy that has proven he plays very well in the system is very familiar with this coaching staff with this scheme very you know power run heavy a lot of play action so Caleb McGarry makes total sense why they brought him in here this team's biggest weakness last year was easily by far and away getting to the quarterback I believe they were last or maybe second to last in the league I probably should have looked this up before I started talking about it in sacks um so they did address it in a few ways they brought in david yanyamata from the new orleans saints that's a really good move for him there i think he's going to fit what they want to do really well they also brought in bud dupree on pretty much just a veteran minimum take a chance on him contract they brought back or not back but they brought in calais campbell who you know we expect that eventually he has to be regressing because he is very much up there in age i believe he's 37 years old but until we see it, he hasn't started regressing yet, kind of like the Mario Davis and Cam Jordan situation, which I just mentioned in the Saints segment. You know, you can expect them to get worse, but until they do, they really haven't yet. Clayus Campbell is one of those guys that he is just Mr. Consistent at getting to the quarterback. And also, I just love the leadership role that he can play for some of these guys, some of these younger, you know, um, pass rushers and defensive linemen that the Atlanta Falcons have because even though it's not all great there are some things that you can really like as far as their young guys um, someone like an Arnold Ebiketti who they brought in last year in the second round really didn't have that stellar of a rookie year but you can't expect him to take steps forward and was really excellent at his time there in Penn State and a lot of guys that I really do trust um, such as Brett Coleman who's he's you know someone that I follow vigorously throughout the NFL season he was very very high on Arnold Ebiketti so I'm not ready to give up on him yet but even beyond that if you just look at their depth bringing in Calais Campbell as your nose and then you're gonna have Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata on either side of him that's a pretty good you know front three there and then behind them you've got Bud Dupree, Arnold Ebiketti, Troy Anderson you really can't expect to be something and then bringing in Caden Ellis another New Orleans Saint there's really is honestly a lot to like there um and then even on in their secondary if AJ Terrell can just have a bounce back year and who knows what Jeff Okuda is going to end up being he is dealing with injuries already it sounds like but I mean just AJ Terrell and Jesse Bates by themselves that's a really good duo to have in your secondary especially expecting AJ Terrell to have a bounce back year there are some things that you really can like along this defense and you do expect them to only be better especially when it comes to getting after the quarterback and even in the secondary because you know the signings that they have made and some guys bouncing back and coming back to a football type level I really expect this team to just be better all the way around I don't think their quarterback play can be any worse than it was last year and as long as Desmond Ritter is just a B minus guy he doesn't need to be a plus if he's a plus this team's ceiling is extremely high but if he's just B minus that's all you really need because I love what they've done in adding Matt Collins to this wide receiver room between him and Drake London the size and then obviously Kyle Pitts who's basically a wide receiver himself that is just a bunch of mismatches on the field I don't know how you can match up with that size and it makes it much easier on a quarterback when you get receivers that have this big of a catch radius and can make up for the mistakes of a quarterback because um, not only can they catch it over your head but if they overthrow them a little bit you know they can get up and get it or if you know a little bit too far to one side or the other 
these guys are extremely long and lengthy and it makes total sense in this scheme i really really love it also getting johnny smith from the patriots bringing him in and arthur smith has obviously worked with him in tennessee that makes a ton of sense there again i think the upside for this offense is honestly really really high and i think it is being slept on a little bit um let's get into the draft though two guys they lost alameda Zacchaeus and rashawn evans and eh, really doesn't matter too much there so the draft because i already talked about free agency and i really liked a lot of the moves they made there i love what they did in the draft as well Bijan robinson obviously bringing him in a little bit of a surprise and a little bit of a head scratcher in the moment but goddamn is he going to be so effective in this offense this offense already led the nfl in rushing attempts last year they're probably going to do it again this year they were third in yards and if justin fields and lamar jackson if you take away their yards they're easily easily first in rushing yards so i think they're going to lead the league in rushing yards this year i think Bijan seriously has a shot of leading it as a rookie we've seen that from rookies before we saw it with ezekiel elliott we saw it with kareem hunt uh Bijan might be that next guy up because their offensive line is incredible their scheme is incredible and it's just a picture perfect fit in this offense he's going to be their derrick henry and he can also catch the ball so fantasy owners you know, <laughs> fucking pray to pray to God he can stay healthy because he's going to be nothing but excellent if he is. And then Matthew Bergeron bringing him in to be the starter at left guard. Love that fit there. He's going to make an immediate impact and addressed a position of need. That was probably their biggest weakness along their offensive line because Jake Matthews, Chris Lingstrom, Caleb McGarry, all those guys are absolutely incredible. To bring in a guy like Matthew Bergeron, who's going to be an excellent run blocker day one and does have a lot of upside as a pass blocker, makes total sense there. Absolutely love that fit. Zach Harrison, him coming in, he had some inconsistencies in college, but tested really, really well at the combine. Very versatile. Uh, going to be a great end on a 3-4 scheme on this defense. And just the intangibles that he possesses with how he tested at the combine nothing short of incredible i really really am high on zach harrison i was a lot higher on him throughout the draft process than a lot of people and i think this is a perfect location with him working next to calais campbell um, because he is one of these defensive linemen that just doesn't have great natural leverage because he's so damn tall but also he can use that to his advantage because he's so damn long he's got 99 percentile wingspan but he is like i think he's like six six as well i think he's the same height as calais um so again missing that natural leverage and that did show up at times he just rushed the passer too straight up but if you can use that to his advantage and work around his length and work with calais which again i think calais can really be a crucial part of his development i really like this fit there i know that there were some inconsistencies in college and that was really his biggest knock but i'm a big zach harrison guy and i do believe in the prospect they also drafted clark phillips this is kind of on the opposite scale of zach harrison where his tape was fantastic but then he got to the combine and just did not perform well at all and uh, especially in the categories that you really can't control he didn't run a very fast 40 time at all he's only 5'9 does not weigh very much um, but can get some snaps at nickel and again his tape at Utah was fantastic he was a great player for them um, could defend the run well enough and was just very feisty at the catch point kind of reminded me of a Travis Hodges Tomlinson um, either way I like that pick there and that's all I, the draft picks i really have to highlight obviously the biggest x factor of this team and what's going to determine determine this team's ceiling 
is Desmond Ritter. I think their floor is still pretty high with just how good this rushing offense I expect, or at least how good I expect this rushing offense to be. And I do think they're going to be very good. And again, their defense, at least on paper, should be nothing but better than it was last year. So I do think that they're that leaves them at a floor of about six or seven wins just with how bad this division is and with how they can control the clock with that amazing rushing offense. But Ritter is really going to be the key to this formula. If Ritter looks like... You know, if Ritter's like an MVP candidate, obviously this team can be like can seriously legitimately win like 12, 13 games. I don't expect that to be the case. I expect him to be just sort of what we saw from him at the end of the year. Just not amazing, but just takes care of the ball, a really good game manager, and just lets, you know, the guys around him do the heavy lifting for him. He just needs to distribute and make the right decisions. I think Arthur Smith is smart enough. We saw this with Ryan Tannehill. I think we're going to see a very similar situation there. And again, they're at the benefit of being in a very bad division. So they have a ton of size and versatility. Their O-line is going to be a strength. Their D-line is going to be improved at least. I like some of their back seven. Obviously, there's some unknown, but with a lot of great upside. I already mentioned it with Akuda, AJ Terrell, Troy Anderson. Those are three guys that a little bit of unknown, but have a ton of upside. Either way, I like this team to be surprisingly competitive. I think the race with the Saints is going to be very, very close. Obviously, I already mentioned it in my Saints segment. I actually have the Falcons sneaking one out and winning this division, making the playoffs straight up. Their over-under right now is set at 8.5. That feels about right because I'm a little bit higher on them than most. I'm a little bit lower on the Saints. So it makes sense that there are only a one-game difference there. Last year, this team was tied for the Saints at 7-10. and 10. This year, I have them winning 10 games to go 10-7, and 7, winning the NFC South. That's going to do it for the NFC South preview episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to share this with your friends and family. Be sure to go listen to me over on Apple Podcasts if you are over there. I really appreciate each and every single one of y'all. That's going to be it for me today, guys. Peace out. Have a great day.